Jack. Yes, Brian. This is the beginning of the podcast. This is the head of the podcast. And you know that people pay money to run commercials at the beginning of podcasts. Did you know that? I did. This is prime real estate. Our audience, hungry for new content, is listening before they tune out and zone out in about four minutes in and probably quit the podcast altogether. This is the time they're listening. So I've got a potential sponsor for us. They want us to do the commercial uh, right before the show starts. It's a live read. I just need you to do it because they don't want me to do it. I sound too professional to them. They want the everyman voice, the kind of half male, half female voice that you're kind of really good at. And so they asked me to have you read it live uh, as we start the podcast. I don't think that's what I'm known for. So if you go ahead and just, I sent you the script, you should, it should pop up in your email any second now and do me a favor. Let's just get reading it right now. We want to get this show started. Okay. Oh, great. I love the energy of this. I got it. I just okay. opened it. I've never read this before. Let me just give it a quick read. No quick read. And- we we got to get into it. We got to get this podcast going. So I just need you to read it. And just, you know, one of the things you got to be professional. You can't laugh. If you laugh, it's like you're mocking their product. So let's just get into it. Okay, I, I will. I don't want to mock the product. I want this money. Okay, great. Let's um, do so it. If you can count me down, let's do it. Sponsor money coming. Three, two, one. Questionable Material with Jack and Brian is brought to you by Simon & Schuster, publisher of the new novel, United Federation of Lust. If you liked Fifty Shades of Grey, but felt like what it really needed was more of a focus on the sexual proclivities of teachers union head Randy Weingarten, then United Federation of Lust is the book for you. United Federation of Lust takes you on an unprecedented journey of politics, intrigue, public sector unions, and the torrid, forbidden romance between a 65-year-old lesbian socialist whose ovaries are desiccated husks, and the dues-paying, card-carrying, saggy-bottomed elder nymph who captures her heart. United Federation of Lust promises page after page, page after steamy page of desire, passion, and liver spots as Randy Weingarten and her gray-haired grand lover fight tooth and nail for outsized pensions and closed schools. The Advocate magazine calls United Federation of Lust a remarkable exploration of the raw sexual energy that can be unleashed by aged lesbians in crotchless panties cavorting around taxpayer-funded educational institutions. Hmm. High school teacher Wanda Greaves says, I can't be fired for poor performance, but I can be fired up about Randy Weingarten's silky unionized tongue. If you buy just one book this year about a lustful teacher's union head fighting against her carnal urges and school choice, make it United Federation of Lust. Available Tuesday in hardcover or in audiobook format, read by a slightly tipsy Mike Tyson. We didn't get that one. Ah, oh, come on. You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Hey, Brian. Hi, Jack. I'm sorry I started the podcast on a down note by failing. That's okay. We've got another chance maybe in the middle of the podcast. Oh, is that prime real estate too? Yeah, the middle of a podcast and the end of a podcast are the three, those are the three places, the beginning, the middle, and the end. That's where all the money in podcast advertising is. Okay. I say I don't know a lot about um, podcasts or money or advertising or teachers unions. That's my sealed of expertise. (laughs) 
Well, that's good. Brian, I missed you. How was, uh, which vacation did you hit this time? Was it Morocco? I was in Morocco for the earthquake. Oh, I love traveling to Morocco for the earthquake. Uh, how was your earthquake experience? Well, I, I, this was the first time I actually felt an earthquake and, and realized it at the time. Oh, that's exciting. So they had the big earthquake that caused a lot of damage. And then I was out there. <laughs> yeah. And then I was out there and then we were, I was actually sitting with some people and it sounded like the, the guy was like somebody behind us was like slamming windows open and closed. Mm-hmm. And then we realized it was actually an earthquake. Well, that's awfully darn exciting. How big was that earthquake? I was a, that was a three point something. It was a small one. It was an aftershock. Okay. It's a teeny one. Speaking of teeny, the, the beers in Morocco are eight ounces. Well, that sounds terrible, especially for a borderline alcoholic as such as yourself. It's really annoying to constantly have to order an eight ounce beer. <laughs> Can you order like three at a time? Uh, you could, but then they just look at you funny. Well, oh they, gosh, I, I know how that bothers you. It's someone, a stranger thinking ill of you. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's not good. Especially, you know, when they, when they're speaking in a foreign tongue. So, okay. So let's, yeah, that's gotta be especially uh, disconcerting. Can you t- walk us through then your Moroccan drinking experience? Um, you know, so for example, um, at breakfast time, yeah. uh, your breakfast wine, what, how was that? What was per, sort of prohibited there? Uh, well, I mean, it's different there in, in the breakfast wine is served in the, in a, a hard boiled egg shell. <laughs> wow. That's it's, very tiny. It's very tiny. And it, it's just, you know, it, I, it's very difficult and you, and you don't really get the, the bouquet of the wine when you try to mm-hmm. sniff it through the egg shell. It, it smells more like hard boiled egg. And that sulfur. sounds terrible. Yeah. It wasn't an enjoyable breakfast wine experience, to be honest. Now, I know how much your day sort of revolves around second breakfast wine. How was, what was that experience like? Uh, It's called LBW, late breakfast wine. Mm, I'm sorry. Uh, And that's, so we had a couple of ladies that we hired who made pita bread for everybody, for all the workers. (laughs) They were the pita makers. (laughs) I know that um, you really sort of start uh, losing concentration if you don't have between breakfast and lunch wine. What was that sort of process like? Well, you know, as, as the day goes, you know, you're already, you know, at, you're at like 10 o'clock, 1030 and like, you just want the day to be over. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you, 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 what you do is we have a drink, it's called the drink shack. Oh, okay. And it's basically made out of pallets and it's just a small room covered with tarps and, it, and it's just filled with whatever beverages are we able to acquire. Uh, it's a little hard. We were in the South of Morocco. There wasn't a lot of stuff around there. Uh, had a hell of a time trying to get a ratchet strap. Oh, small village, no ratchet straps. <sighs> Tales old as time. It was a real pain, Jack. Well, that sounds very upsetting. The sort of thing that would make you want to have your, um, your 1030 wine. Yeah. So the 1030 wine really kind of got me through that kind of stuff. Yeah. And made, you know, I could push through until we had lunch. Right. Uh, lunch was at noon, of course. And that, fi- you know, that was the finally a chance to kind of relax after everything that had been done that morning. Uh, have yourself, you know, two hours to yourself mm-hmm. and then the drinking hour. And then, you know, by about 3.15 or so, you're feeling like you can you can get through this. You're going to make it to the end of the day. Right. And that's when uh, 3.30 uh, midday drink. I, I, it's nap drinks. We call nap it. drinks. I yeah. see. So you get the nap drinks and usually like it's in the form of like just a small bottle, a shot of something. 
mm-hmm. mix it up. One day it might be tequila, next day vodka, rum, whatever. It's just kind of a rant. It's like a lottery. Sure. We call it the booze lottery. We have a big, happy, fun time, you know, making that joke. And yeah, you just do that. And then you just kind of, you'll try to find yourself a place where nobody can see you. Oh, that's something everyone does. Yeah. Every, everybody does that. Hmm. Except Mr. Fisher. Who's Mr. Fisher? His job title is drunk beater. <laughs> so he's got a large paella paddle. Okay. It's wooden. And yeah. uh, he walks around and he, and he looks for sleeping drunks. Oh my gosh. And if you, if he sees you, and this is why you want to hide, if he sees you, he goes, you know, you, you the drunk, you the drunk, spotted, spotted. And then he comes running after you with the paella paddle and just starts whacking you. Oh gosh. Did you have a lot of run-ins with Mr. Fisher? No, because I'm good at hiding. That's great. Yeah. There was a food locker. It was filled with uh, perishable goods. Mm-hmm. And I put a sign on it said, danger radiation. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went inside and I could sleep there. Wow, that's really good. Yeah. So I got a, I got a, nobody came in there. They were all afraid of the radiation. Uh, and I was able to sleep in there until, you know, the, the odor of the, the decaying food was really kind of too pungent and powerful. And I wasn't able to sleep anymore. And that's, so you would turn off the refrigeration so you could sleep in a comfortable setting. Yeah. Well, because it was too cold and it was buzzing. So, you know, you turn it off, uh, you have your little sleep, you're surrounded by eight to 10,000 pounds of meat. <laughs> and, uh, and it's fine for a few days, but then, um, you know, it's technically wasteful. Well, that's on Mr. Fisher. Like, I don't, I don't want you to go down this road where you're blaming yourself. Well, you know, he was good at drunk beating and I did not want to get hit. Uh, the paella paddles really hurt. Yeah, I bet. Man, alive. And then I know uh, your pre, uh, your pre-dinner drink, you'd wake up from your naps. You would, you'd text me sometimes, mostly incoherent, but I sort of got the feeling that there was a pre-dinner drink, what you would have. Um, I know what a Long Island iced tea is, but you said you would drink uh, Moroccan iced teas. Would you mind telling us what a Moroccan iced tea is? Yeah, it's a, basically it's like they take tea leaves mm-hmm. and they steep it in hot water. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, and then they let it cool down. Okay. And so you have a, basically a cold tea. Uh-huh. They put it in a glass with ice. Okay. Uh, you, they give you a straw. Yep. And and then a lemon, a little lemon wedge. Oh, it's sort of like an iced tea. Yeah. And then, so you drink it. Okay. And then as soon as you get down to the bottom, as soon as you only have ice left, you drink a bottle of vodka. <laughs> And that was pre, that was all pre-dinner? That's the pre-dinner drinking, yeah. Man, alive. Okay. And then for dinner, you would just get, get shit-faced. Uh, you know, dinner is when you really want to let go and just kind of relax. <laughs> you know, you've had a hard day. You kind of, you know, you want to yeah, celebrate. Tough. The day's over. You, you're finding. Smelling all that rotting meat. You made it. Yeah. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's disconcerting. And so, uh, yeah, then you just, you know, you, you, you wine and dine, as we say. Okay. And then, um, and then sort of how would you sort of end your, end your night, uh, you know, as a, as a productive volunteer helping save Moroccan lives? I don't know. Cause I, I don't have, I, I didn't form any memories after about 8 PM. Ah, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Well, I mean, that's I hate to end a podcast story with that, but if you don't have the memories, you don't have them. I don't, you know, they, they had a nickname for me. Oh, cute. Uh, they called me self-soiler. 
Brian the self-soiler this, Brian the self-soiler that. And I didn't quite understand what they were talking about. Then I saw the videos. Oh, and what would, what would be in the videos? It was, it was definitely me. Um, it was very <laughs> obviously me. I was yeah. clearly outside. I, I clearly wasn't quite sure what I was doing. Right. I thought I was in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a bus. Oh, just like a, just like a, a normal empty bus that just sort of in a depot. Wasn't empty, was uh, filled. It was rush hour. <laughs> uh, they, their rush hour is later at night. It's around 8 yeah, PM. Yeah, that seems weird. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, it's just, it's, they're slower there. And it's just a long, longer period of, they just have a later rush hour. Okay. I am not going to question the way another society works. And so, you know, I am, I guess I, you'd say I'm famous there. That's neat. Yeah, I was. That was the the number one Moroccan uh, TikTok hero. They call me. <laughs> That's really gosh. Yeah. And did you did you at least tell people in Morocco to listen to the podcast? Actually, no. I asked them to read Bin Laden's letter to America. <laughs> Well, I think that's really working. Yeah. No, they told me it went viral. That's cool. That Well, good for you, man. That I've heard about. Really good job. See, that's good because then it takes the pressure off of me. The, the video of me self-soiling is embarrassing. And I was trying to get that you know, out of the, the viral ecosphere. So sure, I think like I did you that. Would, like you needed to get your poo-poos out of your butt on that bus full of uh, women and children. That's right. Screaming women and children. <laughs> man, I got to look up these videos. Yeah, that's the problem. Oh, man. Well, uh, so it sounds like Morocco was really indistinguishable from uh, like America, Brian. Yeah, no, it just seemed like I I didn't even, aside from all the French and Arabic, I thought I was at home. That's really neat. And so, um, I mean, at home, I know you sleep with your lovely wife. Uh, You know, did you have a similar experience in Morocco? Um, Well, that's funny you should say that. So we call them temp wives. (laughs) I've not heard that term. It's a temp wife. And so like what did we take? It's a lottery system. And so everybody kind of has to reach into a hat and pull out and like, you're going to be the temp wife for blank. Right. And then so, and you do your best to make yourself look like that person's wife. And and, (laughs) and you try to get pointers on how they behave. And you ask all his friends like, well, what's she like? What does she do? And, you know, you try but yeah, we're limited. We're, we're in the middle of nowhere. We don't have a lot of, you know, stuff at our disposal. It's not like we have a lot of makeup and costume kits and things. So you improvise. Oh, I love improv. Yeah. I love. And so in my case, so, you know, am I a blonde? I mean, not necessarily. No, but you put a mop head on me and, you know, I'm kind of blonde. You know, wait a minute. Well, I just so you would be someone's temp wife. Yeah. Oh, I was sort of thinking you might be getting a temp wife. Well, I they, my turn didn't come up. <laughs> That's odd. Yeah. I did get a. I did have you know a temp wife one night. Oh. Yeah. What what, what was that experience like? Was it salt or pepper? Uh, no, it was a it was a gentleman from Barbados <laughs> named Gracie. And, and he's a short guy. He's, he's uh-huh. like maybe, you know, four foot something. He's not a big guy at all. So no. my wife is a little taller. So it was a little awkward. Uh, she's more Polish complected. He was from Barbados. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were differences there. He knew that my wife would had long blonde hair. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have access to mop uh, heads. So right. he, he used uh, the caution tape. <laughs> 
his, you know, caution and Peligro so on. And he kind of cut that up into strips and, and taped it to his head. So uh, let me get this straight. The temp wife that you were gifted, the one night you got a temp wife, yeah. was a Barbados half midget with caution tape hair and a penis instead of a vagina? Yeah, that's what got me. Yeah. I mean, you know, because at first I'm like, okay, I can kind of pretend this is her silky blonde hair. It's a little little more vinyl-y or something, whatever this is, this material. Um, It's not as nice as hers. It doesn't smell as nice as hers. It smells more like sweat um, (laughs) and rotting meat. He had to clean out the fridge. And- um, The must have been a busy man. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was, you know, it was a little weird that I'm not, you know, my wife doesn't have a ton of stubble. (laughs) So that was weird to get used to. Uh, And, you know, my wife doesn't enjoy kissing me. And yeah, and, I know. And, you know, Gracie slash my wife was, I mean, very, just a very passionate kisser. I was very taken, surprised by that. I was kind of taken aback. It wasn't like an aggressive that. kisser. Yeah, uh, she was an aggressive uh, temp wife. And, and so, you know, it, but, you know, it, it made, it made me miss home less. Okay. That's I'm not sure I would have the same reaction uh, in what way can you, and then we'll be done with this. Like in what way, how would you sort of describe kissing Gracie? Gracie drinks a ton of uh, black coffee. <laughs> I got that sense and, uh, and smokes. Uh-huh. So there was, you know, they didn't, didn't have what I would call the sexy breath that, mm-hmm. that, that uh, women can have. This, mm-hmm. this was more of like an, in, an industrial slop, I guess <laughs> if you describe it like that. And so, you know, it was hard. It kept, it kept taking me out of the mood of, of being with my real wife. Well, uh, and I kept, you know, kept reminding me like, this is a temp wife. This is a temp wife, you know, the stubble temp wife, you know, that kind of breath. So it, it kept taking me out of the, out of the mood. But in the end, um, Gracie slash my temp wife, uh, you know, spooned in a similar manner to my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife doesn't have hairy legs. So that was a mm-hmm. little awkward. I just tried mm-hmm. to pretend we were lying in grass <laughs> and you know, I fell asleep eventually. <laughs> after, after what? After I blacked out. <laughs> okay. Well, wow. Brent. So then I guess you would say uh, everyone should take a turn volunteering. It's definitely one of my favorite things I've ever done. It's funny because you know, I came home and I saw my wife. Mm, your re- your real wife. My real wife, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I immediately grabbed her hair and I said, "Oh, thank God, it's real. It's not caution tape." And she said, "What are you talking about?" And then I kind of kissed her. I'm like, "Oh, you don't have stubble, thank God." And then I, I just I checked for a penis, and she still doesn't have one. So it was kind Neat. of. I said, "You know, it's good to be back." Oh, a classic reunion. Yeah, but then she raped me with a mop. <laughs> So, Brian, I feel yeah. like we are now pretty darn close to the midpoint of the podcast. Is it about that time? Yeah, you're right, Jack. It is that time. Okay. And there's a chance that we can make some money for the podcast if mm-hmm. you can read uh, an ad for a potential okay. sponsor. Uh, once again, this has to be a live read. There's no time to rehearse because we're in the middle of the podcast. There's no time to kill. Right? Fine, fine. I just yep. sent you the, the spot. It's potential sponsor. You just got to get through it. You can't. Laugh. You just got to be professional. 
fine, fine, fine. I understand the rules. Okay, I just received it. Hold on, I'm opening it. And okay, I've never seen this before in my life, I swear to God. Take it away and let's get paid. Let's get paid. Here we go. Three, two, one. Questionable Material with Jack and Brian is brought to you by SafeDate, the new dating app for Apple and Android. SafeDate's patented algorithm eliminates the traditional risks associated with all other dating apps. By removing any chance, you'll be matched with someone who doesn't agree with you in every conceivable way. How many times have you been on a first date only to discover, before the appetizers even came, that you're seated across from the totally wrong person? Uh Uh-oh! Well, now you can save your time and money with SafeDate. Don't believe me? How about this testimonial from Casey M? Quote, My last Tinder match was perfect in every way, except over dessert. He said he felt the country needed tighter borders. I was stunned by his hate speech and almost threw up my cheesecake. With SafeDate, I no longer have to worry I'm on a date with a literal Nazi. (laughs) Don't risk an opinion with which you disagree. Break up with the other dangerous dating apps and give SafeDate a try. Here's Here's why Peter C. is glad he did. Quote, I thought I met the uterus haver of my dreams. She was health conscious, like me, a member of the Democratic Socialists of America, like me, an avid reader of politically polarized websites, like me, but she turned out to be a Jew. Get the most inclusive dating experience possible by eliminating the wrong people. Try Safe Date today. Uh, yeah, I mean, I good energy, Brian. Did I get it? Had the energy, but you you laughed, and that that costs us the sponsorship, sadly. But Brian, she turned out to be a Jew. That's not on me. You know, but that's the you know it's it's the ad. It's a shame because I would love some of that sweet DSA money. Oh, I know. <laughs> Point of privilege. I know. I really wanted to get oh, man, which is actually our money. Oh yeah, that is our money anyway. Oh. Why, why should my talent dictate whether we get paid or not? We're going to get paid, Brian. Well, we can, we can certainly ask. That's going to be, well, no, 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 no. We just take. No, it's going to be a no because they're in charge of it. Oh. It's oh, only yeah. when they're not in charge of it that they want it. Damn it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry I screwed up, Brian. That's okay. There might be another chance at the end. What? Well, I mean, there, there's definitely going to be. Like, why would you put it that way? Like, you wrote three of these. Suspense. <laughs> So, Brian, I'm really excited because yeah. um, you texted me mm-hmm. that you got a new job at the White House. Uh, and I, I'm I'm super excited to sort of tell people about it. Um, right. Do, do you, uh, yes. Yeah, well, actually, why don't you tell people? I'm remembering. It came back to me now. I texted you that I have a new job at the White House. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, I, I, I'll tell folks about it. Um, yeah. Apparently, you're Joe Biden's new gaffe writer. Yes, I which am. Is, yeah. That's a huge job for uh, someone such as yourself because it's it's the job, you know, you have to write all of Joe Biden's gaffes. A lot of people think that he just sort of stumbles upon them or, you know, thinks he's hearing voices or seeing ghosts of any number of his dead relatives. And in fact, these are carefully planned out and scripted gaffes. Like, like, for example, very recently, just the other day, uh, President Biden, after careful months of diplomacy, setting up this uh, meeting with uh, the, the the leader of China, President Xi, he called him a dictator in the press conference right after. And you could see uh, Anthony Bilkin basically put his head in his hands and shake his head like all that work for nothing. But in fact, that was a written gaffe. Yes, it was written. It was planned. Oh, that's We've so got cool. a brand. 
He's got a brand and he's got to give the people what they want, especially as we move into the 2024 election season. People expect you to maintain that brand. They're they're expecting something that you got to live up to it or you're going to lose your you're not going to be able to corner the market. Now, can you tell me, um, I I know your predecessor, he he got burned out. He. Yeah, he's he's never worked that hard. And eventually he he did he hang himself twice. He hanged himself twice. Yeah. I mean, a double suicide. I've heard of a murder suicide, but not a double suicide. Yeah, no, he 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 leapt off uh, the balcony with a, a rope <laughs> around his neck, and as he, and and then he had, had coordinated so that there was another noose underneath him. <laughs> so he actually went to the first noose, and then the second noose went through. So it, he wanted to make sure he was afraid that one might you know one might break. Right. Boy, that's a lot of work to put it. I, you know, that, that's what this job will do to you. When you write Joe Biden's gaffes, it's going to it's going to take it out of you. But you're fresh. You've got fresh energy. Mm-hmm. Um, can you sort of tell us like one of the, the real uh, gaffes that your previous predecessor had, had written? Maybe the one about President Obama? Oh, yeah. Well, he that, he, that was a classic one. You uh, said, you know, what, what's not to like about a clean and articulate black man? That was uh, that was the old right. gaff that, that yep. really got a lot of traction. It really kind of established uh, Joe as we call him, as, you know, the, the gaff king. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. The gaff king. Gaff that's king. so great. Well, that's awesome. So you must have, um, you know, I, I know you're a prolific writer. You write um, lots of, uh, you know, copy for advertising, um, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Uh, so I was wondering if you could sort of give us a preview of some of the gaffes that you have sort of uh, coming up, if you, or maybe you want to field test some. We've got one coming up where he's going to refer uh, to the vice president as his favorite mumble rapper. <laughs> okay. Why, why would he do that? Because, you know, when she's kind of like, you know, inarticulate and, uh, and a word salad uh, when she speaks. And sure. th- that is, you know, in your head, you can kind of see how that might be like a mumble rapper without actual music in the background. Right. So he's going to say, like, I've been talking with uh, my uh, mumble rapper and uh, we, we think we need to find a solution to and he's going to move on from there. And then you know, we should get a few days of, of play with that in the papers. That's great. Sort of the, the thinking behind that being, um, you know, getting getting free ad time, getting free press. Yes. Yeah, that's what this is. This is, you know, re- reinforcing the brand. <sighs> OK, you know, you're known yeah. for a thing. You got to keep being known for a thing. If you're Yogi Berra, you're known for yogiisms. You know, right. he stopped doing yogiisms, and look what happened. He he passed away. Yeah, and that's exactly when he stopped doing them. <laughs> yeah, I remember that day. That was I was like, I can't wait for what crazy thing Yogi Bear is going to say next. Yeah, and th- that's it, gone, and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. I I, I believe his last yogiism was ah my chest. Yeah, which isn't like all that funny or sort of colloquial. Yeah, it was something about there's a tingle in my arm. Yeah, oh, that's what it yeah. was. I'm sorry. See, this is why you're in the game and I'm not. Yeah. So lay out the scene for us. So you go and you pitch the president your gaff idea. So, so let's sort of walk through that. Uh, the president comes into the Oval Office and sort of walk us through the entire pitch process and, you know, what the president is like when he when he sort of enters the the Oval Office and, you know, what the president actually said. And, and give us the whole paint a picture here. Well, um, so usually we're having lunch. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he comes in, he gets up, 
Now he comes into the room uh, at lunchtime after he's gotten up. We're usually eating. And then he'll, he'll come in and he'll you know, look around. He'll introduce himself to us. Mm-hmm. And be like, we were, you know, you met us yesterday. We were here yesterday. And then he's like, it's always kind of like this. Oh, right, right, right. And you know that he doesn't. I mean, he knows he's sharp enough to know that he knows that you're not quite certain if he knows uh, that he's forgotten you. Oh, that's true. People say he can't be president. Yeah. And so he's he's, he's sharp Pathetic. enough to know uh, to try to pretend that he still knows you. That's great. So that to me is a sign that he's fully capable. Uh, and then, so he'll take a seat um, on, you know, on the trash can. We'll tell him that's not a seat. And he says, where's the bathroom? We're like, it's down the hall to the left. You know, what, what's going on? You know. And then he'll come back into the room. Um, and uh, oftentimes he's, he's he's forgotten to put his pants back on. So they just kind of do a, like a, Mr. President, you want to, there's something in the bathroom waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And then he'll kind of look into the trash camera like, no, no, the bathroom is, again, down the hall to the left. And then he'll come back, usually with his pants on. Uh, we'll have one of the aides standing next to the bathroom. If he tries to exit without his pants, we'll just remind him that the pants are still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, one time he came, he just wrapped an entire roll of toilet paper around him, his waist. Uh, and he thought that that was, he's like, is this a kilt? We're like, no, I mean, no, you know, Mr. President. So it's, you know, there's, there's never a dull moment. That's what I like about this job. So that sounds great. So then he'll, he'll come back in the room after his, after the bathroom break and then like reintroduce himself. Yeah. Oftentimes he'll reintroduce himself to us. uh, And then he'll sit down and he'll just say like, you know, what's it going to take for you to get out of Ukraine? And I'll be (laughs) like, I'm not, I'm not Vladimir Putin. And he kind of squints and looks at me and says, of course you're not. I I understand. I never, I was kidding. He'll say that I, I was kidding. And that's, oh, that's great. So that's kind of a thing we've adapted. That's going to be a new tagline. I was kidding. Oh, so, great. Yes, because now kind of we can get him into scenarios and get him out very easily. He's like, I was kidding. So this, you know, I, I called dictator G a dictator. I was kidding. You oh, know, yeah. Then, then it sort of is about people not being able to take a joke. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, the, remember the, the hilarious comedy that used to end with not? Yes. Right? Like that was funny. Not. So it's kind of like that. So I was kidding. That's really, that's really smart. Okay. So he, he sits down and then, um, you know, as you're getting ready to pitch, you know, does he, um, does he, you know, do anything as, as, you know, to further interact and try and connect with you? He's focused on senses. He's a very, a sense oriented person, especially Hmm. touch. Okay. And so he'll come over to my assistant, Barbara, and, and he'll kind of reach down and he'll, he'll sniff her hair. As she's mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. making her presentation, he'll nibble around her neck hmm. kind of thing, just kind of, you know, scoping it out, kind of getting to know her. And I think what, you know, these, this, this touch and the taste and the smell uh, really jar his memory. I see. So, he'll, but it's, but it's still just sort of cute old grandpa stuff, right? Uh, I mean, not always. I mean, when we huh. get into the panties, now we, we start getting into Ooh. maybe, you know, this, yeah, this is, a violation. This is not good. We don't like this. Uh, get and out of here. He just there. says to her, I'm kidding. Then he goes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, Joe. Yeah. Okay. And all the while you haven't even pitched an idea yet. No, we haven't. These meetings last for a long time. I bet. So, I mean, what we, what we do 
usually is we, we try really, really hard to keep him in the room mm-hmm. because if he does leave for whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, wants to make a phone call, talk to his wife, uh, go use the photocopier. <laughs> when he comes back into the room, we have to start from scratch pretty much because he, he doesn't know, you know, he, it's as if he never met us before. That's awful. And you you texted me when you first got the job. Like, I guess on day one, though, he didn't come back in the room. What happened that day? Uh, um, that day was trash collection day. Uh, OK, so he ha- he had gone outside for a little fresh air. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trash truck, the U.S. government the Department of Trash truck came and he, uh, you know, he was watching them loading the trash. And later the, the drivers told us they were driving down the highway mm-hmm. and uh, from the side view mirror, they could see the president was holding on to the back <laughs> as if he uh, worked for the Department of Trash. Uh-huh. Uh, so they I mean, they, they literally did a 180 and they drove straight back to the White House and, and right. And then, you know, got him off the truck. But, you know, highly dangerous, of course, of course, to have the president of the United States on the back of a garbage truck. Yeah. Um, that shouldn't happen. No. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, thank God there were no, uh, nobody really noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fortunately, <laughs> you know, he just kind of kept his head down the whole time. I think he might've been somewhat terrified. Yeah. Uh, and so he, you know, he was just holding on for dear life. Of course. Yeah. Well, and because you say he gets spooked very easily. He does. He is, he is easily spooked. You know, it's kind of, um, you know, his, his, he's a, his mind is busy. There's a lot going on in there. Mm-hmm. We imagine. Of course. And so, yeah, he can really uh, get spooked quite easily. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and it's, you know, there's a perfect example. Uh, you know, we, we, the Oval Office, there's a, there's a small kitchen down the hall. Cool. To the left. I didn't know that. A couple doors down from the bathrooms. And this is, you know, a small kitchen and you can go fix yourself a sandwich or something. There's always beverages mm-hmm. and things available that the taxpayers paid for. <laughs> and so, you know, the other day, he, he, he was hungry, so he just wanted like a little snack. So he said, I'm going to go help myself to a snack. And we're like, okay. Sure. And he walks in there and he opens up the refrigerator and Billy jumps out and screams, going to get you, <laughs> going to get you. And uh, you know, it was as if the president saw a ghost. I mean, he could have just dropped right there. Oh, man. You know, easily spooked. I'm not sure that's necessarily all on the president. Well, I mean, you know, Billy is a is a joker. He likes to liven up the West Wing. He you know, he likes to entertain us all. You know, it's always you know every day with Billy is a different day. That's great. Well, uh, so okay, so let's so you, when you finally get around to pitching, yeah. And I, I know that you had two that you were working on. I want to hear how they went. That your pitch for um for two things in particular, uh, the you know when the president t- speaks about um you know the the anti-Semitism that sort of is raging in the country and sort of wants to warn people off of that, that you've got some incredible gaffe planned, um, you know, when he speaks about the, the Jewish population. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Uh, well, he's going to, you know, he's basically going to get on. He's going li- to li- listen, people. I don't understand the anti-Semitism thing. I don't, nice. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, why is this happening when, the Jews control all the media. How, how is this stuff getting out? <laughs> how is this getting out? Why are, are the Jews not capable of, of locking this down? Right. You know, and they can they not just turn off all the networks that they own and control? 
And so that we're going to go, you know, kind of go down that route. That's smart because that's an incredibly anti-Semitic thing to say. Yes. But because it's Joe, you kind of get away with it. And then of course, you know, when he gets called out, when that, when the press gets really hot, you know, and it takes a long time for them to, to pick on a democratic president. But when they finally get there, he's just going to be like, I was just kidding. And then it's all going to go away. I forgot that that was the twist was coming. Rachel Maddow will call off her attack horses. (laughs) Why doesn't she use attack dogs? Uh, Because dogs don't like her instinctively. (laughs) That's why they're man's best friend. They're man's best friend. They don't (laughs) like her at all. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I want to wrap this up, but I want to mm-hmm. talk about, I know as the, again, as the election approaches for 2024, mm. that you sort of have, um, you know, an, an incredible volume of gaffes for when he sort of talks about his accomplishments from, from Bidenomics to, you know, uh, his Supreme Court nominations to, to, you know, all the things he's done in the last four years that he's, you're just going to have like a gaffe for every accomplishment. Can you yeah. t- just sort of walk through a couple of your favorite gaffes uh, as we head into 2024? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to basically say, listen, you know, um, we're going to, you know, I knew we didn't need a wall. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that was Trump's idea. We didn't need a wall. And they've proven it because they're coming in. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a gap. I think that's just a clunky truth. Yeah, I know. That's, that's not all you've, not everything you write is a gem, Brian. No, I know. Um, <laughs> so, well, he's going to say, you know, he picked the first uh, a lesbian uh, vice president of the United States. <laughs> I'm not sure she's gay, but okay, no, she's go not. On. That's the, and that's, you know, that's going to, that's the gaff. <laughs> And then, you know, okay. when he's reminded that she's actually married to a penis haver, uh, he's going to be like, I was just kidding. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's I, really awkward. Um, okay. So, that well, that's that's a really good uh, awful gaffe. Anything else? Binomics, the Supreme Court. You, say, you, uh, know, you, you remember that I took the lady from Gone with the Wind and made her a Supreme Court justice. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me that he thinks Ketanji Brown is Hattie McDaniel? Yeah, that's a hell of a gaffe. I mean, that would destroy a Republican president. But because of our brand, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to get grief for it for a few days. He might get a a little negative article in Salon, uh, but he's going to, you know, he's going to, I was just kidding. And then we move on. That's, that's really racist. It's a really great gaffe is what I'm saying. Great job. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Well, Brian, um, you know, great job. You know, I can't wait to to cringe. Um, you know, it's gosh, the election is almost a year away uh, yeah. to the day. I can't wait to cringe for the next 12, 12 months. We're going to be busy. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. You sure do. Hey, um, good on you, pal. Thank you, Jack. You're welcome, Brian. So, Brian. Yes. End of the show. Yeah. So uh, I guess this is the prime real estate you were talking about. You know, that we have an expression in. Uh, podcast advertising, end of the show, beginning of an opportunity. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I'm sure that's not true. That is 100% true. It's, so what it means is that at the end of the show, that there's another slot there for a potential sponsor or mm-hmm. a sponsorship. And so there's a chance to make some money. I have a potential sponsor lined up. Uh, they are going to pay us if uh, we can have you just deliver a, a professional read uh, no silliness, no laughing, no, no, you know, falling off of off of topic there. And if you think you're up to it, I think you should take it away. <laughs>
Okay, great. I have... Hold on. Oh, yep. I just got it. Thank you for sending it. Uh, I have opened it. I've never read this before in my life. Please count me down. Okay. Potential end of show sponsor. Three, two, one. Questionable Material with Jack and Brian is brought to you by the Entitled Cyclist, the city's premier destination for discerning cyclists who are better and more virtuous than everyone else. Whether you want to blow through a crosswalk, ride against traffic, or blaze down a sidewalk at Mach 1, the Entitled Cyclist has just the bicycle you're looking for. Our prices are competitive and much, much cheaper than what you really want. A Tesla that has a vanity plate with some smug reference to not needing gas. <laughs> the Entitled Cyclist carries renowned brands including Cannondale, Specialized, Aragonza, Scott, and Dick on Wheels. <laughs> if you have questions, we have answers. Our staff has a combined 64 years experience on the roads, shouting at cars and doing whatever the fuck we want with zero repercussions. We'll make sure to match you with just the right bike, whether you're looking to stay fit and weave through traffic or if you prefer more leisurely cycling on the road, even though there's a dedicated bike lane 12 feet to the left of you. If you're an illegal immigrant who needs a bike so that you can earn money delivering food while the government weighs your bogus asylum claim, the Entitled Cyclist has a wide range of e-bikes that will get your uninsured self around town at lethal speeds. The Entitled Cyclist is open every day from 9 a.m. until 8 p.m. We're located on Greenwich Street, just two doors down from the white guy in dreadlocks who's standing, yet appears to be sleeping because of the heroin. Well, that's a weird detail to put in your advertisement. You know, I don't write them. I just, I just try to earn money from them. And of course, we're not going to earn money from that one because that was not, not as professional as they would have wanted. It would make such a difference if I could read it ahead of time. Yeah, it's just not possible. It's just not a thing you can do. That's just not how it works in podcast advertising. I guess you know best. Yep. A Tesla that has a vanity plate with some smug reference to not needing gas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My neighbor... Next door, back in Dobbs Ferry, I uh, had a, a license plate. His the license plate for his Tesla. You saw it once. Mm. Was EW gas E W W space G A S. Yeah, I saw one that said like no to gas and something about oil. Smug. They're just smug. S- smug. Because you know, <sighs> well, those things are powered by you know uh, unicorn farts. <laughs> right. It's all clean. All clean. Hundred percent clean. Yeah. Man. Well, uh, you know, darn it. Hopefully next week I, uh, I won't let uh, you and uh, worse the listeners down. Uh, you know, hope springs eternal, Jack. Uh, it sure does. Well, you know, uh, this is the end of the podcast. I've failed. So why don't you go ahead and, and take us out? Please. Review us. Yep. Uh, subscribe. Smash yep. that like button. <laughs> Smash it. TikTok it. Mm. Uh, p- put it on an Instagram. Okay. Send it to your mother. Well, Tell your mom. Yeah, I guess so. Tell your mom. I can't. Oh, that's because your mom died in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> when you were 14 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Let's end on that. Questionable material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Visit us at qmpodcast.com.